asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. In recent weeks, we've really focused on some ways that listeners can boost their income. Uh, so whether that's through starting your own side business and growing your network like Hala talked about, or when we talked with local realtor Alan about diving into investing in real estate, well, what better way to test the waters? While you are away, your home could also earn extra income. That's right. Your empty space could be an Airbnb while you're traveling, because that's all you need to become an Airbnb host. It's a lot easier than you think, and you don't need to Airbnb your entire house. You could just host your extra spare room. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Supercharge your work decks with AI-powered Canva presentations. All you do is start with a prompt. You describe your, your presentation in a few words, and Canva presentations will generate captivating slides that you can then customize in seconds. Canva presentations are designed for every workplace and every department. Whether you work in sales, marketing, HR, ops, and more, Canva presentations can generate any deck you want for work. Sales decks, marketing presentations, onboarding plans, you name it. Any department can save time on any presentation with AI. Generate slides and seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to How to Money. I'm Joel. And I am Matt. And today we're discussing how AI can hurt your finances, joke cryptocurrencies, and when YOLO is a good thing. We've talked about yellow before, how oftentimes it's a bad thing, but we're going to talk about today how it's a good thing. And we've got several other stories that we want to get to this week that we came across for our Friday flight. How do I sound, by the way? Do I, not, I sound a little stopped up? <laughs> Dude, the allergies have been destroying me. I just cleared my throat like a thousand times before we hit record here. I took a couple of hits of my nose spray so I can actually breathe now, but I still got a bunch of junk in my throat. So hopefully we can make it through this one, man. Let's hope so. Yeah. So <laughs> you've got a note here about free mulch. What's the story here? All right. So uh, Justin in our Facebook group, he recently recommended to folks to check out this website, Chip Drop. And oh, yeah. I hadn't heard of it, but um, I was like, all right, let me, let me see what this, this uh, site has to offer. And basically, it's a site where arborists can drop off like wood chips or logs uh, at your house, and you don't pay a dime. Um, and so, yeah, it's the kind of stuff that they need to get rid of, right? But if you're looking for mulch for the front yard or some logs for splitting so that you've got wood for your wood-burning stove that, next winter. That sounds like me, dude. There's a place to get it from. Yeah. I, did we not talk about this on the show? Our, our friend Colin, he actually, he tried this out last year. Uh, and the only thing, like he did the, the giant wood deposit, and so he got a bunch of huge rounds that were cut. Uh, but you have to be willing to accept a ton of it. Like, <laughs> that's yeah, the there's only, like no limit. You can't be 
be like, um, can you stop at this amount? Like they it's, can unload so yes. much. It's in the same thing with mulch. If they pull up, I mean, they're just going to dump like a buttload of mulch on your driveway and you might have, I mean, literally a, this massive pile that you're going to have to get your friends to haul off in their wheelbarrows, spread it all around your backyard. You're yeah. going to have like twice as many beds as maybe you thought you were going to have. <laughs> I was, I was going to say you might want to do it with your neighbors and, and not try to do it solo. Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, I did not know that they actually do uh, rounds, you know, like sections from a tree cut. And so I don't have a need for it right now. I've got a good stockpile. But dude, yeah, sometime this summer, I'm going to download that app, make sure that uh, I've got enough wood lined up for me to get split in next fall for the wood stove. I just hope they don't drop off these. Like seriously, he had some that were so big, he had <laughs> he had to go out and buy like some special wedges in order to actually split these these things. I mean, they're like the bottom section, I guess, of a tree where it took some serious muscle to uh, to split those apart. But he was able to do that, and now he has plenty of wood on hand. Yeah, you, yeah beggars can't be choosers on chip drop. But yes, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but some folks, yeah, might find that interesting. We'll link to it in the show notes, yeah. dude. And I love too that it's like you're you're making use of waste, right? Like this essentially for the arborist, this is something that, I mean, I, I assume they have to get rid of and they have to pay to get rid of it if they don't have somebody that they can take it to, yeah. right? I mean, if they're just going to take it to the to the dump, keeps it out of the landfills. And when so many of us go to a hardware store to buy mulch, it just seems <laughs> like the perfect system. For like $3 for a tiny bag. <laughs> yes, exactly. As opposed to just an endless supply for you and all of your neighbors. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. I love it. All right, well, let's get on to the stories we found interesting this week, our Friday flight. And Matt, the first story I want to touch on, I thought this was interesting, the New York Times. Times uh, had an interesting article, and they wrote about what they called the YOLO economy. And I'm going to define this term again, just for our listeners who don't know what YOLO means. You only live once. And YOLO is not our favorite acronym because it often means that, that people are living for today, right? You only live once. Like, go ahead, <laughs> blow it out, spend as much as you can. Don't even think about the future at all. And that's not a great mentality, right? Um, that could lead you to spending all of what you make, or maybe even more. <laughs> uh, but then one little emergency comes along and it messes you up in a big way. That kind of yellow is not good. So I thought, Matt, when I clicked on this headline, I was like, this is going to irritate me. I'm not going to dig the yellow economy that the, the New York Times is profiling. But actually it did the opposite because it detailed people who are making significant changes to their lives because their priorities have shifted because of the pandemic. And that, I thought, was something that you and I could get behind. It seemed like people were making really positive steps. They weren't going on a YOLO spending binge necessarily. What they were doing was shaking things up about what their day-to-day -day lives looked like, and in large part because of the impact that COVID had on them. Yeah, using YOLO to justify poor spending, that's a bad idea. But <laughs> but using YOLO to kind of re-examine your life and how it is that you're spending your time is, yeah, like you said, something we can totally get behind. And we feel that you should be making these kind of changes uh, in your life, you know, because of something like the pandemic, you know, like through... Gosh, you know, all the awfulness of it. There is a silver lining, and that's that many of us can and probably should be shaking things up somehow, right? If we don't learn something about ourselves uh, and our priorities, then this would be a, a wasted opportunity that we've lived through the, you know, over the past year. A few recent surveys show that somewhere between like 25 and 40% of folks are thinking about leaving their job this year, about switching it up. And that's okay. We feel that that's healthy. And so we want to encourage folks to not live the yellow life where you don't plan for your future, but do live the yellow life in the sense that you, you only have one life to live and you know, getting out of maybe a stressful work situation, uh, even 
accepting less pay, this can be the right move if it means that you're able to enjoy your life more and spend more time with the folks that, that matter most to you. Yeah, one of the people profiled in that article was a lawyer who's working way too many hours, and he ended up ditching that job and going to work for a neighborhood firm, essentially. And he was like... like yeah, his next door neighbor. <laughs> yeah, literally his neighbor. Yeah. And he's like, I, I can spend more time with my wife and my dog now, and this is great. And so, yeah, those are the kind of decisions we think are good decisions. Money is not everything. You really do only live once. And so you don't live for today alone, right? We want you to plan accordingly. But making changes based on how this year went and based on the new priorities that you have is a good thing. All right, Matt, let's talk about financial literacy for a second. You know, you and I are big proponents of financial literacy. We, we feel like financial education in this country is sorely lacking, but it looks like there might be more financial literacy help on the way. And I hope so. Again, in the New York Times, they ran an article and it turns out that almost half of states in the U.S. are weighing the prospect of increased financial education in schools. Like there are bills on the table that might come to pass. Um, how many? That's anyone's guess. <laughs> Local politics, you never know what's going to happen there. But one thing is clear. Kids are being done a massive disservice these days by not being taught essentially anything about personal finance during the years that they spend in school. They learn a lot of things that they're never going to use again. But one of the things that they're going to use essentially every day they hear nothing about. And that's a big problem. And we just wanted to point out, you can listen to episode 98, where we talked to Dan LaSalle. He's been really inspirational to us in his financial literacy endeavors. And then two, if you're just looking for a resource to point people to, whether it's young people or adults, uh, there's a YouTube channel called moneycoach.io. And we'll, we'll link to their website, but they have great videos that are simple to understand, that are pretty short, that have already helped and can continue to help a lot of people learn about the basics of personal finance for free. That's right, dude. Let's talk about investing. Specifically, let's talk about uh, ESG funds, which stands for Environmental Social Governance Funds. And uh, Jason, I don't know how to say his last name, Zweig? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's how I'd say it. <laughs> With the uh, Wall Street Journal. He took socially conscious investing to task this week. Uh, you know, We've talked about responsible investing on the show a few times. And I got to say, we, we agree with Mr. Zweig's take. And it's not that socially responsible investing is a bad thing. Because the desire for folks to invest in companies that don't pollute the planet uh, in a major way, or companies you know who have a meaningful mission, like that's a great thing. But ESG funds have just different ways of differentiating which companies they'll include in their sustainable funds. Basically, just because a fund is labeled ESG or quote unquote sustainable, that doesn't mean that it actually is. It's up to the different fund managers to decide what goes in that ESG fund. There aren't any standards, you know. Essentially, it's kind of like beauty is in the eye of the beholder. And the beholder here is the fund manager. And it's up to them to decide what is and what isn't going to be included as part of their ESG fund. And this actually makes me think of, so you mentioned chip drop at the beginning of the episode. It makes me think back to when I was considering buying some wood from some local sellers of firewood. <laughs> and what they're selling is a cord, quote unquote, a cord of wood. But here's the thing. It's up to them to decide what a cord <laughs> of wood is because they're just piling in the back of their I've truck. I always wondered what a cord actually equates to. And I know that there's like a, a de actual definition, but not everybody, you know. So the actual definition, yeah, that. a face cord. And that means that it's a stack of wood that's split that's four feet high by eight feet wide, right? So that's a face cord. But again, when it comes to like what these guys are going to come to your house and, you know, if some of them will do like the delivery thing, and they're just going to unload wood <laughs> it's, and they basically stop when they want to. And so that, I feel like that's an instance where it's just like, this isn't quite a cord of wood, man. Or hey, this is more. You know, thank you so much. In the same way, I feel like it's it's true with ESG funds.
ones. It's like, is this truly an ESG fund? <laughs> like, is this good for the environment, even though it's labeled as such? Well, it's the same thing with like terms like artisan and handcrafted. <laughs> you know, uh, there, there's someone in Atlanta so selling true. artisan wood, and you're like, well, what does that what does that mean? What does that mean, dude? Or, or like, you know, certain liquors are handcrafted, and it's like, at what point does a hand enter the process, and when is it considered handcrafted <laughs> versus like purely made by machines? And that is also in the eye of the beholder in, in many instances. Totally true. But these funds, like, they're rising in popularity right now. But I guess the question is, like, should a company like Facebook be included in a sustainable right. fund, right? <laughs> like, different fund managers have different takes on that. Some would leave them out completely, and some would say, yeah, they belong in my ESG fund at least. What about Coinbase, which just had their IPO last week? There are serious concerns about the electricity waste and the environmental impact of Bitcoin mining. And of course, you know, a company like Coinbase might be contributing to some of that. So, you know, we wouldn't say to avoid these funds altogether, but do make sure that the fund you're participating in is doing a good job of vetting the companies that they invest in. Because otherwise, you might just be paying a higher fee without getting that intended payoff. Yeah. And realize too that even if they're doing a good job vetting, it's still kind of up to you to figure out, like, okay, well, what companies are they including? Because your definition of a socially conscious fund might be very different than that of the manager over at BlackRock, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, and dude, you know, actually, since you just brought up crypto, it is worth mentioning that uh, articles touting cryptocurrency as mainstream were all over the place this week. And the, the joke cryptocurrency, Dogecoin, is that how you... <laughs> I think so. These are things that I read more about than I talk about because, <laughs> I mean, Dogecoin has no uh, place in my life, <laughs> except for when we talk about it here on the show. But I read about it more than I talk about it in my real life. But, um, we, you know, we saw Dogecoin skyrocket in value last weekend. Uh, and it was, for a moment, it was worth more than companies that have been around for <laughs> decades, uh, almost hundreds of years now at this point, like Ford. Well, Ford's been around, but Roku hasn't. But <laughs> they're more valuable than Roku. Uh, Carvana, Walgreens, Kimberly Clark, they're the company that likely makes the toilet paper that you use. But uh, Dogecoin is now falling uh, significantly. And while blockchain technology, like we, we feel that's going to have many uses in the future. And crypto itself might be a meaningful store of value like gold uh, or even a medium of exchange in the future once it uh, is a little less volatile. We would recommend for folks to be careful putting too much of your money in this volatile space. Which coins will be winners? Which coins will, will lose out? It is far from decided. Uh, your money could go all the way down to zero. So don't invest money that you're not willing to completely lose at this point. Yeah, it makes me think uh, there's been like a lot of buzz surrounding marijuana stocks too recently, Matt. And it's not that some of those companies won't succeed especially as more and more states legalize marijuana, but it's still an industry that's in its infancy. And, and it's going to be pretty volatile in the coming months and years. Some of those companies might go bust altogether in that time. Yeah, it's like investing in Pan Am back in the early days of uh, the airlines. <laughs> <laughs> Very similar. <laughs> and uh, two, we, we put this warning out there because it continues to be easier than ever to purchase crypto. You can now buy crypto like Bitcoin and Ethereum on Venmo. And Cash App has had this feature for a while now, but more and more users of those apps are being exposed to getting into the space and when they might be better served focusing on other areas of investing, like funding their tax-advantaged accounts first, which Matt and I would always say, don't even get oh, into yeah. crypto unless you're maxing out at minimum a Roth IRA, contributing to your workplace account. Yes. Like you don't even, it doesn't even need to be on your radar before then. And there definitely seems to be potential in, in cryptocurrencies uh, continuing to rise in value, but make sure that you're investing in the proper order and that you're limiting your portfolio exposure to cryptocurrency to a max of 5%. Like crypto should be a very minor part of your overall investment holdings. It shouldn't be something that you're dedicating a whole lot of resources to. 
So true, dude. All right. We've got several other stories that we're going to get to right after the break, including some transportation stories. Uh, we're going to talk about planes, no trains, but we, <laughs> but we are going to talk about automobiles. We'll get to all of those right after the break. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. They are committed to high ethical standards and even had to pass a rigorous exam before they could become a CFP professional. They offer financial planning and services that take a more comprehensive view of your financial and personal circumstances and are customized for your needs. Certified financial planner professionals can offer advice on a wide range of issues like reviewing your investment portfolio's allocation, handling an inheritance, rolling over a company retirement plan, building education savings, and so much more. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Kachava is the all-in-one superfood shake made up of high-quality plant-based nutrients. It's got greens, superfruits, plant proteins, antioxidants, adaptogens, probiotics, and in other words, everything your body craves to feel your best. This is where Kachava really earns their 52,000-plus five-star reviews. It tastes amazing. It's creamy and smooth with just water, and it comes in five delicious flavors. You can choose from chocolate, vanilla, chai, matcha, and coconut acai. Kachava is offering How to Money listeners 10% off for a limited time. I've been using Kachava in breakfast smoothies in the morning recently. It's just so nice to pack in a bunch of nutrients early in the a.m. in a way that's satisfying and energizing. So if you want to optimize your breakfast, your workout shake, be sure to check out Kachava. Just go to Kachava dot com slash how to money that's spelled k-a-c-h-a-v-a and get 10 percent off your first order that's k-a-c-h-a-v-a dot com slash how to money and now a word from the show sponsors at betterment do you want your money to dream big do you want your money to be a total self-starter are you annoyed that your money doesn't work hard enough don't worry betterment is here to help Betterment is the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Their automated technology is built to help maximize returns, meaning when you invest with Betterment, your money can auto-adjust as you get closer to your goal, rebalance if your portfolio gets too far out of line, and your dividends are automatically reinvested. That can increase the potential for compound returns. In other words, your money is breaking a sweat while you can be breaking bread. You'll never picture your money the same way again. Betterment, the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. Spring cleaning is kind of a, an annual rite of passage. We've all got to do it. Minimize the junk that we have in our house. Emily and I, we just cleaned our closets out. It took hours, but it was so worth it. Now we've only got stuff in there that we love, and it's easier to find everything too. And so, you know, while cleaning your closets is helpful, well, there's something else you can do for your family this spring. Shopping for life insurance with Policy Genius, for example, is a really important part of your financial planning for the year. That's right. Yeah. And here is the thing that's important to remember because you might be thinking you don't need to check out Policy Genius because you've got a policy through work. But even if you have a life insurance policy through your job, it may not offer you enough protection for your family's needs and it may not follow you if you leave your job. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer same day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Policy Genius works for you, not the insurance companies, and that means they don't have an incentive to recommend one insurer over another, so you can trust their guidance. 
Save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. All right, here we go. Let's keep rolling with the Friday flight. And of course, Matt, the next thing we have to get to is the ludicrous headline of the week. There you go. I like that. You brought the <laughs> zest to it today. I was bringing like a, yeah, kind of opera singer <laughs> vibe to it. A little time. Pavarotti over there. I appreciate that. Uh, all right. Well, this week's headline uh, is comes from New York Magazine and it goes, Confessions of an Overnight Millionaire. I constantly ask myself, do I deserve this money? And this is a really interesting read, Matt. Uh, <laughs> this felt, was a crazy story. I felt like part psychologist. <laughs> I felt like oh my gosh. a little bit of group therapy going on when I was reading this article. It was basically this anonymous author discussing her $6 million windfall as the company that she worked for went public recently. She admits that she's super frugal and doesn't even know how to begin incorporating a sum of money like this into her life. And in fact, she's having so much trouble with this life-changing sum of money that her dog's life has improved more than her own. Like she's buying specialty <laughs> dog food for her pup, but like for her, she her, can't seem to spend a, a penny on her, it. Her dogs are getting like dental work done. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they, she's they, like, I refuse to go to the doctor, but yes, I'll take him. Yeah, yeah. They said, she said that uh, her dogs have seen more doctors now this year than she has. <laughs> yes. I thought it was super interesting, man. She, she actually ends up talking about how she struggles with the belief that she deserves this money at all and even contemplates giving it back oh my gosh yeah so yeah we would say please don't give it back but i mean that being said i could totally see some guilt creeping in if you know a life-changing sum of money fell into my lap uh but giving it back we don't we don't think that's the answer no uh like it's it's funny it kind of reminds me of some of the the responses we saw to the stimulus money from folks who didn't lose their job that money went out to a lot of americans who were still gainfully employed you know some of which were doing better financially depending on what industry they work in how much money they had invested in the market things like that um there was definitely some collective of guilt going on, I think. But the the answer, at least from our perspective here, is to for her, for this individual, to wrestle with some of those deeper emotional issues uh, that money can cause in your life. You know, those different unspoken beliefs that we have ingrained in ourselves, like, and not just like on the surface, but multiple layers deep. These are often what lead to a bad relationship with money uh, that would cause someone to react to an event uh, like this that way. But yeah, this it was, it was an interesting read. I mean, it, basically, it was like a journal entry or, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was like a private diary but for everyone to see. Yeah, it was, it was all over the place. And dude, one of the things that stood out to me was when she was kind of talking about her being frugal, she, she mentioned too that she's never been generous. Uh, but essentially, she was kind of chronicling how like that can change a little bit. And I think something that's worth highlighting is that like I, I personally believe that money doesn't really change who we are, but it just amplifies the things that we're already doing with our money, right? And so just because she now has a lot of money, I don't think that's going to mean she's going to become this big time giver, unless there's maybe some other life, you know, massive life changing event that happens to her. She's probably going to continue, like she said, being frugal and not spending that money because that's just not been her response to the money that she already had. I think it's a, an important reason why it's good to have a healthy relationship. It's good to have some of these foundational things figured out when it comes to money, regardless of how much money uh, that you have now or how much you know, you'll come into possession of in the future. Yeah. I started kind of thinking after reading this article, what would my response be if I got $6 million randomly you know, thrown into my bank account? And I don't uh, suspect that that's going to happen anytime soon, sadly. <laughs> but um, I don't think that my life would change all that much if that money were deposited tomorrow. But I'm guessing you wouldn't feel the desire to give it back. <laughs> <laughs> no, right? I don't think I would. Yeah. Assuming you 
came into possession of it legally. Yeah. And, yeah. Well, that, uh, hopefully. Um, but <laughs> that, I just feel like that's such a good place to be with your money, though, where winning the lottery or getting a large sum of money wouldn't change things all that much. It would really just, I would amplify some of the things that I already enjoy in small little ways, but but really my reaction to having that kind of money wouldn't change uh, a whole lot of things about the way I currently live life. But obviously, having that amount of money in the bank would provide some really helpful financial security. I'd hit financial independence overnight. (laughs) And maybe you would travel maybe a touch more. You've talked before how travel uh, in your life is an important thing. So maybe you would see that ramp up a little bit. That's that's probably true. Yeah. uh, Well, speaking of travel, our bud Scott Kyes over at Scott's Cheap Flights, they put together an excellent list of the best and the worst airports for cheap flights. Uh, We'll make sure to link to it in our show notes. But the airports that offer the most heavily discounted flights uh, are Denver, Austin, Minneapolis, Chicago, O'Hare, and LAX. Atlanta actually did uh, crack the top 10 at at spot number nine. I'm glad to see that we're in the running a little bit there. But uh, Scott also points out which airports provide the least amount of deals for you to take advantage of. We're looking at you, Peoria. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Peoria was the absolute worst. <laughs> Essentially, with a small town like that, there's very little competition, and the the flight demand isn't very flexible. I mean, people are going to fly in and out of there for the reasons that they need to fly in and out of there. It's you know, right like icing for people living there who may be traveling for business. Not many people tra- traveling there for fun. But when there's a singular airline there, there's no need to offer discounts. Guarantee we're going to get an email from the Peoria Chamber of Commerce this <laughs> afternoon, and and they're going to you know tout all the reasons people should visit there. For this fun. episode is not brought to you by the <laughs> Peoria Tra- <laughs> Department of Travel, uh, but this list was crazy helpful though because you don't necessarily have to fly out of the closest airport to you. If you can be a little more flexible with your travel plans, uh, you can drive to a nearby airport in order to score a better deal. If you do have that flexibility, it could be well worth the effort. I agree. And, and checking flight prices from a few of the airports nearest you is a great way to see if you can save money on the trip you're planning to take. Matt, for where we live, Atlanta did crack the top 10, but sometimes the better deals are even out of like Chattanooga's airport or Birmingham. And that can be a worthwhile hour and a half or two hour drive in order to score like a much cheaper flight somewhere, especially let's say I'm booking a flight for my whole family. But in addition to driving to a different airport, you can save money by booking multiple flights separately. So like, let's say you were trying to get to Hawaii from the East Coast. It might make sense to book a flight directly to LAX, a round trip from where you live or from a nearby airport, or maybe San Francisco even, and then book a separate flight to get to Hawaii from there. Uh, If you're not booking it all with one carrier, if you're splitting up your trip like that, you can save quite a bit more money on those flights. That's true. And that actually might be a tactic I employ next year. And Uh, and the tactic I'm going to take to get that Hawaii cheap even cheaper is to hide in your suitcase. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're, we're still not going to be down with that. Dude. <laughs> uh, we let's talk about artificial intelligence, man. Uh, AI can make life easier in a lot of areas uh, in our lives. Sometimes it makes it harder, but you can guarantee that any company that's uh, looking to implement it is hoping to save money or, or even make some more money. For instance, we came across a story. When you're shopping online, virtually everything on Amazon, uh, eBay, and other e-commerce sites now is an ad. Some folks are suggesting that ads might be Amazon's most profitable business venture as soon as this year. Dang. <laughs> right? It's crazy that that's the case. And it's important to know uh, that Amazon, they're making a good bit of money by feeding us things that will make them more money, not just because they're trying to create a better user experience. Uh, I mean, essentially, 
for some folks, if they're able to find the things that they want easier, I guess it is an increase in user experience. But in the end, what, what they care about is money. You know, like this might be a kind of a pessimistic view towards <laughs> online retailers. But when you see the amount of the screen, when you're looking at an item on Amazon, when you see the amount of screen that's dedicated towards ads or, or like the heat map, essentially. Oh, my gosh. It is insane at how many of those are, are, are ads, basically. And I actually went to Amazon and just pulled up a product. And you, seriously, like you look at it and if you look closely, you'll see that it says sponsored. Yep. And you'll be shocked at how many times you see sponsored on there. All of those are ads for themselves, yep. for Amazon itself. Companies are paying Amazon to get listed higher. And it's just important to know when you're shopping on there. So you don't say, oh, this is a recommended item because I'm browsing at this. No, it's a paid for recommendation. And yeah, you might want to do a little more research on your own and maybe not just doing your research on Amazon site. I mean, I forget what the percentage was, but it was something like 60% of product searches begin on Amazon now. Yeah. And so that means that those you know paid for ads on the Amazon site are going a long way towards influencing what we buy in our consumer behavior. That's right. Um, all right. Let's keep talking about artificial intelligence. There was another story that we saw this week that it's coming to the car repair industry. There was a Wired article which documented the rise in insurance companies using photography, photos to assess damage and repair costs instead of using a human adjuster. Uh, COVID has changed the way many of those insurers handle are handling claims these days. And yeah, pre-pandemic, only like something like 15% of car insurance claims were assessed using artificial intelligence. It was like a little more novel back then. But now it's closer to 60%. In many repair shops, they're not happy about it. <laughs> um, one body shop owner said that 99.9% of the estimates coming in <laughs> via the artificial estimate are dead wrong. I'm not like, sure how scientific yeah. that 99.9 yeah. is. <laughs> so it might be slightly more anecdotal. Yeah. This it's, it's probably not quite that many that are, that are off. But like, you know, he, obviously he doesn't really like the system. Right, <laughs> and right. Uh, there, there are often problems underlying the issues that you see on the surface. Uh, when your car gets into an accident, right? You can't diagnose every problem from a photo. And so what they're trying to point out is it's helpful new technology that might eventually at some point be ready for prime time. But, but right now it's highly flawed. Yeah, so let's actually talk about what to do if you've gotten into a fender bender. So if you're with one of the big insurance companies out there, you might be directed to download their app where you can snap pictures and artificial intelligence, AI, or appraisers will use that info, use those pictures to come up with an estimate for you. It's really quick. It's really easy. And dude, there are even some instances where folks have gotten uh, money deposited into their bank account the next day. Uh, it's been that quick, like that immediate. And this sounds really amazing, right? Uh, but this can actually be really terrible if you're not compensated the proper amount to adequately fix your car. And so if you need to, to get an estimate for your, your damaged car, we would recommend that you request an in-person appraiser or an adjuster or contact your insurance company and find a list of body shops that your insurance company approves of in order to ensure that you get enough money for that repair. You want to make sure that you're not left holding the bag when it comes to getting that repair done, uh, where uh, the actual repair costs more than what you're quoted and what the insurance company is going to send your way. And you definitely want to make sure, too, that your ride is repaired properly because an inadequate payout from an insurance company might keep some different body shops out there from doing the proper work. 
Yeah, and that could leave you in an unsafe car, which uh, would not be good. So knowing about that problem and knowing how to address it, if that pops up in your life, hopefully you don't get in an accident. But you know, That's if right. you do, you got to know that stuff. All right, Matt. And speaking of cars, we've actually got a really interesting conversation with Leanne Shattuck coming out on Monday. And she is a car expert. We're going to talk all about car repairs, buying a car, buying used, buying new, and how you do it and score the best deal. We'll talk about all that stuff on Monday's episode. But that's going to do it for this episode. If you want show notes and some of the links to the stories that we discussed in today's episode, just go to our website, howtomoney.com. That's right. And if you've been listening to the show and you have not yet left us a review, uh, we would greatly appreciate that. And you can head over to Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you listen to your shows. Those positive, solid reviews help others to find the show and start doing smarter things with their money. And so a big thanks in advance for that. And so, Joel, that's going to be it for this episode, buddy. We hope everyone has a great weekend. And until next time. Best friends out. Best friends out. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there.